You're listening to the New Life Church Sunday Morning Podcast. We're a family of believers in Anderson, Missouri, that want to experience God in a real way, both inside and outside the walls of a building. For more Sunday messages, upcoming events, or to get in touch, visit new-life-church.net. You know, this time of year can be a volatile mix of emotions. Uh, There can be the highs of highs, the lows of lows, uh, and everything in between. You know, for some, it doesn't get any better than this time of year. Uh, Between the decorations, the get-togethers with friends and family, uh, the Christmas parties at work, the gifts, the joy on the kids' faces, all of those things, the music even. And for others, not so much. For others, it reminds us of painful memories, disappointments, frustrations. And for those of us who have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, this time of year we celebrate. We celebrate that very fact that it represents the time when He came to earth. Have you, have you stopped and thought about it lately? That the Son of God, an equal member of the triune God, humbled Himself and became an embryo in a mother's womb. Traveled through a mama's, Mary's, birth canal to be born. To be 100% totally dependent on His parents for life, for food, changing the diaper, getting him in the middle of the night when he's fussy, needing to be rocked, learning to talk, learning to walk. The Son of God did that. And with the birth of my granddaughter just a couple weeks ago, reminding me wholeheartedly that Jesus did that for us. And this is that time of year that we celebrate that. And yet, for those who don't know them, know Him as their Lord and Savior, this year could be who knows what. It can be a lots of things. It could be painful. It could be fun. It could be all about what you want to get, what we're after. And yet for others of us, it's a time of year that we can celebrate and be joyful in, but it's also a time of year that we experience remembering those who have gone before us and we miss them. It's a time of year that it's supposed to be celebrated with friends and family and loved ones. And and many of us wish we still had one more holiday season with those who have gone before. And so I want to address that. I want to address that this morning. We're not going to avoid it and, uh, and yet leave with God's cushion for grief. Our passage this morning is in 1 Thessalonians 4, verses 13 to 18. And would you mind to stand with me and read this with me? Yes, ma'am. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. I need your help reading this, kids. <laughs> so, let's read this together. And then, kiddos, you can go to class, I promise. <laughs> 
We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, concerning those who are asleep, so that you will not grieve like the rest who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again in the same way through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. For we say this to you by a word from the Lord, we who are still alive at the Lord's coming will certainly not precede these who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the archangel's voice, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are still alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Amen. You may have a seat. Kiddos, enjoy your class. <laughs> Thank you for helping me read that. <laughs> so this morning, just to give you a heads up on this, you're like, well, hey, he's at the end of the service. You might say, well, hey, he didn't really talk much about the rapture and God's second coming. And we're going to cover that next time, okay? Uh, not this coming Sunday, but the following right before Christmas, Uh, and we're going to look at the birth of Christ and his first entry into earth, and we're going to look at his second entry, and we're going to look at the two side by side and rejoice in that together. Uh, But this morning, we're going to focus more on the hope of why we don't have to grieve like those who don't know him, okay? So this section, Paul has written to the young church in Thessalonica, and it's more pastoral than theological, This is a pastor wanting to share his heart about the truth, the encouragement of God's word, God's truth to this young congregation. And he's wanting them to know that, hey, it's not the end. Okay, yes, acknowledge the pain. Yes, it is hard, absolutely. But there's hope. There is hope. So what are some of these truths? And the encouragement that Paul said to this church that applies to us today as well. Well, I'd like to, if you'll permit me, I'd like to break it down uh, similar to Charles Dickens' Dickens, A Christmas Carol. Okay, so we're going to look at hope for the past, hope for the present, and hope for the future. All right, first of all, hope for the past. Verses 13 and 14. We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, concerning those who are asleep, so that you will not grieve like the rest who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again in the same way through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. So Paul is attempting to unravel some confusion that this church was experiencing early on. One item of confusion that this church was having, we looked at a couple of weeks ago, uh, specifically in verse 11, is, is the people were thinking that God's coming, his second coming was like imminent, next week, tomorrow, tonight. And while that still holds true for us today, it doesn't mean we check out of life. But these people, some of them were doing that. And so he was encouraging them to lead a quiet life. They were out stirring up trouble and and getting in each other's ways. They were quitting their jobs. They were quitting working, thinking that, hey, I've got, I got two months worth of salary in the bank, so I'm going to quit. Or even if they didn't, quitting and expecting the church to take care of them on their own, 
without them working towards it. So he's encouraging them to lead a quiet life, a life of humbly serving others, loving each other, a life where they minded each other, their own business. They weren't being nosy in a gossipy, uh, judgmental sort of way, but they were still actively being involved with each other in their lives in a life-giving, encouraging way. Uh, they were working. And we looked at some truths in working as well about how, how when we work for God's glory and His purpose, regardless of what our job description is, it glorifies Him and it can be representative of the gospel. So that was one item of confusion that Paul was wanting to clear up here. The other item was they had very real concerns. What of those who believed in Jesus Christ who have already died or fallen asleep, as Paul says it here, what about them? They didn't know. This was a new church. This was Christ had just come a few years before, and so they were all brand new learning about this. And maybe there's some here today who, like, well, what happens to them? What's going on? Well, first of all, we should note that Paul refers to their death as sleep. And there's a reason for that. Sleep is not permanent. Sleep is temporary. Sleep is temporary. You see, when a believer dies, their soul goes directly into the presence of God. And we see that in 2 Corinthians 5.8. When a non-believer dies, their soul goes directly to hell. Luke 16.22-23 tells us that as well. But to those who believed and who have died are considered asleep. They're in the presence of God. They're not quite where we will be with them after God's second coming, the rapture. Death is also referred to as sleep elsewhere in Scripture. It wasn't just like Paul the sudden made this up and went with it. Christ referenced it. It's referenced in Matthew and Mark and John and Acts and 1 Corinthians as well. I don't know about you, but if a loved one of yours has gone on before, finished this race here on earth, and they were a believer to hear that it's a temporary thing, is there comfort there in that for you in your grief? There is for me. There is for me. And Paul was not saying the believers should not grieve. This isn't, you know, put some mud on it, spit in the dirt and put some mud on it and move on. You know, it's very appropriate for us to grieve and mourn those we miss. Okay? And it's okay. It's okay. In fact, Christ himself modeled this. If we have bought into this rogue, wrong sense of theology that we shouldn't grieve or we have to get over this right away or we have to move on because of this verse of saying, hey, we shouldn't grieve like those who don't. It's not saying don't grieve. It's saying don't grieve like those who don't know. Christ modeled this in grieving over his friend Lazarus in John 11.35. Jesus wept. And he knew what he was about to do. He knew he was about to call Lazarus out of the grave. And yet he was still in grief and mourning for that loss, that human emotion of losing a loved one. He mourned over Jerusalem as he was coming up on the city. We see that in Luke 19. I believe it's also in Matthew uh, there he's coming up on Jerusalem and he's seeing it. 
And he's mourning and lamenting over Jerusalem. And you're missing it if you read the Old Testament and you don't see God's grief for his people, Israel, over and over and over throughout the Old Testament and their choices and their rebellion and his desire to mercifully give them opportunities to be disciplined and return to him over and over and over. See, grieving is appropriate and a healthy expression. Okay? So, we have permission to grieve. Not because I said so, but because God says so. And yet, in our grief, we are still blessed. Even though that pain can be so intense and so overwhelming at times. Because as believers, our grief is cushioned with a hope. A hope we celebrate this time of year and a hope in a person, Jesus Christ. You see, in a room this size and and several of you, I know your stories already, we've had to say goodbye too soon to ones who are not grieving anymore to ones who are already there. That cloud of witnesses that surrounds us, that cheers us on as it talks about later on in Scripture that Paul writes about. You see that that part of life is guaranteed for all of us to experience. Losing somebody we love, going through it ourselves, unless Christ returns before that time. You see, death isn't part of God's original plan. This was not part of His original design in the creation of mankind, of man and woman. He did not desire for us to have to experience this or go through this. It is a consequence of sin. And Genesis 3.18 tells us that. Or 19, I'm sorry. It is a consequence of disobedience to God. He desires all to be saved. And we see that in 1 Timothy 2.4. I've asked Mary Lou if she would come up and share with us how Christ has been a hope for her, even in the midst of grief, as she has experienced loss this past year. I don't like speaking, so if I start rambling, somebody tell me to sit down. Um, This has been a difficult year for me and my family in several different ways. Um, On January 19th, I lost one of my best friends, Jeannie Woods. Uh, We'd been friends for over 40 years. Jeannie was a Christian, but she was a very quiet Christian. She didn't go out and didn't feel comfortable witnessing to a lot of people until she had her second brain surgery. The night before she had her second brain surgery, um, she had a very real and um, in, intimate uh, interaction with God. He touched her. She felt him touch her physically. And um, she could not wait to share that with everybody that she saw. She shared it with everybody in the hospital in Springfield. 
Then a couple of weeks later, she was in the hospital in Joplin, and she couldn't wait to share then. She shared it with Matt, and I actually videotaped her sharing it with Matt. I still have that on my phone. I listened to it last night. Uh, so that was a really difficult day for me, January 19th. And then on January 29th, I lost my dad. Um, I know dad was Christian. Uh, he accepted Christ when he was 17, just before he shipped out for, to go with the Navy. Um, but he didn't have time, didn't have the time to be baptized. And it wasn't until he was almost 80 that he asked Pastor Tom to baptize him. He felt like that that was something important that he needed to do. And because of that, I know that in both cases that I'm going to see them both again. I know they're in heaven right now. Nancy mentioned just a few minutes ago to me what a celebration that Leon and Dad must be having in heaven right now and in this Christmas time. Um, but it's been a year of firsts, you know, because both of them passed away in January. Every birthday, every holiday, every occasion that we had family to get together was done without them. So it's, it's just been difficult. Uh, it's not so much... The morning is just the missing of them. And uh, I was reading my Bible, and Hebrews 11.1 1 says, What is faith? It's the confident assurance that what we hope for is going to happen. And then Psalms 39.7 says, And so, Lord, where do I put my hope? My only hope is in you. Thank you, Mary Lou. And I know there's several other stories here that each of you have experienced loss this past year, last several years in this. And, and I hope again this morning that it's an encouragement through, during our times of grief, during our times of missing them for the first time, of not getting to spend this holiday with them or the 20th time. You know, it doesn't, the number on which time you're missing them, this holiday or birthday or anniversary or that moment you just wish you could pick up the phone and call or see them, they're always there. And yet we have the opportunity, we have the hope of Jesus Christ to grieve differently. He doesn't promise easy life, a pain-free life, but he promises a life of hope and of peace, and of joy, of Him being there with us, of Him walking beside us in this, of there being a future someday, of seeing it all resolved and all worked out, of seeing our loved ones again. You see, our hope in Jesus Christ is because He came to this earth. Like I mentioned earlier, and how He came. And he lived his life here on earth up until his early 30s without one time disobeying his father, without one time sinning. You're like, well, Matt, he was a son of God. Yes. And he experienced every emotion and every feeling that we feel and experience. He lost friends. He experienced life without food. He experienced hard times. He experienced career changes. He experienced 
relationships with family members. <laughs> that can be good and hard. He experienced all those things. So we have a hope in a Savior who can empathize with us, as it says in Hebrews. And see, the story doesn't end there. The story continues with him willingly going to the cross, subjecting himself to torture, physical torture, or his physical body, by going to the cross to take on the payment that we deserve because of our sin, because of our disobedience. See, he laid it all out for all eternity, the perfect sacrifice. The only sacrifice that could be the one time paid, done. And it still doesn't stop there. It wasn't just about him dying, it was about him then defeating death and rising again and establishing the way for our hope, our salvation, our faith that Mary Lou just talked about, our confidence in being able to have a relationship with him, being able to not have to grieve like those who don't know him. He is our hope. He is our hope for the past. He is our hope for the present as well. And we see that in verses 15 and 18. For we say this to you by a word from the Lord, we who are still alive at the Lord's coming will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. What words should we encourage each other with? Well, first of all, it's a word from the Lord. Let me say that again. Because if you're like me, you can read through this really quick and, and miss that little phrase. It's a word from the Lord. This is not just Paul making this up. This is not just a pastor saying this. This is not just me saying this. This is a word from the Lord. And when it is a word from the Lord, it is always true. And we can bank on it. A hundred times out of a hundred. Second of all, what word should we encourage each other with? Those we know, those we love, those who have gone before us, they will precede us there. They're not going to get left behind. And again, the second coming, we'll talk more about that in depth in a couple of weeks. But I don't know. I like to think of it like, hey, when he shows up in the clouds... I'm seeing Tim, Granny, Granddad, Grandma, Grandpa, friends, family, loved ones. Going up first. <laughs> and I'm right on their heels. <laughs> and therefore, we should encourage each other with these words. And I'd also like to offer some practical ways that we as brothers and sisters here can encourage each other and minister to each other who have lost ones. Is this, is, this is where we really have the opportunity to love each other. We've been talking a lot lately about the Great Commandment and the Great Commission. We're going to keep talking about it. 
because it's what we're supposed to do. But the loving God, loving others, there's no greater opportunity for us to show up and loving each other than when somebody loses somebody in this way. Some of these practical ways I'm going to share with you are very biblical, scripturally based, elsewhere in scripture, not specifically in this text. Some are just some really good advice from people who have gone through it. And there are wrong ways to minister to each other in this. And we're going to cover that too. Wrong ways? First of all, forget to pray for them or choose not to pray for them. Out of sight, out of mind. Right? So write their name on your mirror and lipstick or whatever it takes so you remember. I was in a home the other day and they have a fake window over their sink with prayer requests and each little pane. We spend a lot of time at our sinks if you keep a clean kitchen. What better spot to have names to be thinking about, praying about. Because doing dishes is mindless, right? Well, unless you're a guy, you've got to focus really on it to get it clean. But <laughs> if you can do more than one thing at one time, put that prayer request list, right? Right there at the sink. Over the cooktop, over the sink in the bathroom. thought that was a fantastic idea. You can say the wrong things. You can be trying to say the thing and actually all you're doing is chewing on shoe leather because your foot is in your mouth and you don't even realize it. Things like, hey, at least... Da-da-da. Oh, I remember when I lost so-and-so and you launch into your story. Well, what is this person that it's raw and fresh supposed to do with that? You're basically throwing it on them that now they've got to minister to you in that moment. There are appropriate ways to empathize, absolutely, so they know you're not just speaking out of lack of experience. But be very, very careful there. Or say things that are untrue. Their salvation is between them and God. Their last thought could have been choosing to confess and believe as Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. We don't know. Or do nothing. That's definitely a wrong way to help, right? What are some right ways to help then? (laughs) Number one, pray for him, of course. And sometimes we can feel like that that's not enough. Let me assure you, that is the most powerful, important thing that we can do for each other, is pray for each other. You are reaching out and asking God of the universe to intercede and minister to them on their behalf. The God who loves them more than you ever could, who loves the deceased one more than we ever could have, You're asking him to intercede. It's never just pray for them. It's far more than that. Something else we can do is acknowledge the situation and express concern. Don't be afraid to say that loved one's name. We love to hear their name. You sometimes are like, oh, I don't want to bring it up. I don't want to 
But you want to hear Leon's name, don't you, Nancy? Marcella, you love to hear his name, don't you? Yeah, we all do. We all do. So don't be afraid to say their name. It means you care. It means you still think about them with them. And that goes a long ways. Offer specific and practical help. Not like, hey, if you need anything, let me know. And I'm bad at that. I admit that. I'm bad at that. Hey, if you need anything, let me know. And all of a sudden, what I've done when I do that is I put a lot of pressure on them to come up with an idea of something they need to answer that question. When they're like, okay, I just need to remember to inhale and exhale right now. Where's the bathroom in my house again? I hope I remember when it's time to go. (laughs) Oh, my body tells me I got to go. Practical, specific things. You know what? I'm going to show up Tuesday night, 5 p.m., with a frozen lasagna and some French bread. Okay? I'll see you then. You know what? Well, I was driving by and I saw your yards full of leaves. Let me just grab a couple guys and we're going to rake those up for you and you'll be one less thing you have to worry about. You won't even know we're there. Things that you can do, specific, practical, go a long ways. Ministry of presence, showing up. Listen, what we say is not going to fix it. Sometimes they just need a friend to hang out with. Okay? Understand that grieving is a long process. It's a long process. I think it's going to be... Is it 19 or 20 years this Christmas, babe? On... I'm calling you out, I'm sorry. Is it 19 or 20 years on your dad? 19. And we'll talk about him this Christmas. It was 19 years ago that my father-in-law passed. There's not a Christmas or holiday that goes by. And this last year, we lost my brother-in-law, one of my best friends. And that first Thanksgiving was hard. Without him there, coming up with scavenger hunts and games for us to all play. That we knew he was going to win in because he rigged him. <laughs> it's a long process. And guys, always the promises of God through Scripture, gently and lovingly. I'm going to emphasize that gently and lovingly. Because we can throw verses at people and oftentimes it can feel more like a missile than a cushion. So pray what you should say and when. Pray how to deliver God's promises in a lovingly, gently way. And here are some examples that you can use. Jot these down if you'd like. Nothing is wasted. Romans 8.28 This is not our home. Hebrews 13.14 Grief brings wisdom. Use that one later. 
Ecclesiastes 7.4. God is near. Psalm 46.1. And comfort can be found. You will laugh again. You will smile again. The everyday tasks of life will come back to you. Hope, God's cushion for grief. This hope is not in ourselves. This hope is not in an escape from life through drugs, alcohol, distracting ourselves with careers, media. It's in the person of Jesus Christ, period. And then Paul saturates that this morning. Our text this morning, he saturates that with it. In the first section, Jesus died and rose again. He is our hope because he died and rose again, rising again, defeating death, guaranteeing that death is defeated. Those who are asleep, are already in his presence. And they're going to beat us there when he comes back. Grief is cushioned by hope in our present time, in our present day, because it's a word from the Lord and he says so. As fellow believers, we should encourage each other with these words about Christ. Being born, dying and rising again. Grief is cushioned also by hope for the future. And we see that in verses 16 and 17. We're almost done. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the archangel's voice and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. I'm going to read that again. That needs a little passion and gusto, doesn't it? For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout with the archangel's voice and with the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are still alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them. We will join them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. You thought you've been to some pretty big shindigs around here? Think about this shindig in the clouds. (laughs) I can't wait to see that. And so we will always be with the Lord. And as I close, I must also address the fact that many of us have loved ones and we are not 100% certain about their salvation. And they have already gone before us. How do we cope in those situations? what God says. That's how. First of all, God is a loving father, not the brutal critic. He is a loving father who desires all to be saved. And we see that in John 3.16. I'm not going to say that verse. I think you know that one. If not, look it up. Every person that lives to the age of accountability is given the opportunity to choose or reject Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Every person 
Every person has the opportunity. And we see that in Romans 1, 18 and 20. Even the people in the middle of a jungle who have not ever held the Word of God in their hands, they are given opportunity through God's creation to choose Him or reject Him. His grace is sufficient. Does it negate the responsibility of us going and sending? No. Not at all. But His grace covers. Because it's not dependent on us. Our job's to obey. And then here's the biggest one too that we can get tempted to not really think about. Eternity in heaven is more about being in the presence of God, the Father, Jesus Christ, the Son, and the Holy Spirit than is about what we get out of it. John 14.3 and 2 Corinthians 5.8 tells us that. And I'd like to read this quote by Randy Alcorn in dealing with this. It's an article that he wrote, Heaven would be hell without God. Think about that. Heaven would be hell without God. Randy says this, Heaven without God would be like a honeymoon without a groom or a palace without a king. Teresa of Avila said, Wherever God is, there is heaven. The corollary, wherever God is not, there is hell. The presence of God is the essence of heaven. John Milton put it, Thy presence makes our paradise, and where thou art is heaven. Heaven will be a physical extension of God's goodness. Samuel Rutherford said, Oh, my Lord Jesus Christ, if I could be in heaven without thee, it would be a hell. And if I could be in hell and have thee still, it would be a heaven to me. For thou art all the heaven I want. To be with God, to know him, to see him is the central, irreducible draw of heaven. And so my comfort for you, my encouragement for you in this, is those who have chosen to reject Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior and have gone on before us. They are where they wanted to be. And I hate it. I hate it. But when the day comes that we are all in the presence of God, we will be able to understand that, comprehend that, and be okay with that. If this is true, that heaven is about being in God's presence. I personally believe it is. So our response to grief this morning for believers, it's further investing in our relationship with Jesus Christ. As long as we draw breath here on earth, we have not arrived in our relationship with him. You don't get to know somebody better and better and better without spending time with them. It's just not possible. He is our answer. He is our hope. Since he is our answer, he is our guaranteed return on our investment as we spend time in him through prayer and the study of his word. Why wouldn't we invest everything in him? For a fleeting pleasure of the world? Also for believers, our response should be to encourage each other as we each experience grief. 
Is there someone that you could reach out to today? This afternoon? That hasn't heard from you in a while? That might be thinking of somebody they've lost? That they'd love to spend this time of year with? How can you reach out to them? I gave you several ways. For unbelievers, those who do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I hope more than anything else that you've heard me say this morning that Jesus Christ is your hope and your answer and it's only Him. There's nothing you can do to earn your way. There's no amount of good you can do. It's even good without Him. (laughs) Our motives are all jacked up inside. How can you know him? Put this in your own words. Confess. You need him. Confess you can't do it without him. Confess he has paid the price for you. And only he can. And believe in him. There is historical, archaeological, biblical proof that Jesus Christ walked this earth that he was the Son of God. There is as much proof for that as there is any other historical person. If you don't believe me, research it. I'm not scared of you trying to prove me wrong in that. But don't just believe because you read some blurb on the internet. (laughs) Or some friend told you, well, what about this? Or you have one unanswered question. Figure it out yourself. Research it yourself. Ask Him to be the Lord of your life. Ask Him to be in a relationship with you. It doesn't mean you won't have to grieve anymore. Someday in our future, yes. In heaven, in His presence. Our grief will end. But he does promise to walk with you. He does promise to be your peace, your hope, and your joy. If you would like to know more about that, please grab me afterward. If I'm talking to somebody else, say, hey, I need more questions about Jesus. Interrupt me. Okay? This guy in the red OU shirt, talk to him too. This guy in the Christmas tie back here, talk to him. This guy in the cream-colored sweater, talk to him. And there's several other. Paul, who did announcements, there's several other in this room that if one of us isn't comfortable with, I can point you towards. Okay. So this season, let us encourage each other with the hope of Jesus Christ. What he has done So we're going to close and I think we've got a song that the guys are going to play and if you need to leave during it you're welcome to if you'd like to stand and sing it along with the video that's what I'm going to do stand and sing it with me but I couldn't think of a better way to respond to this Father God we uh, thank you (laughs) Lord you initiated your love you are love and you initiated it in the tangible presence of your son Jesus Christ by sending him here for our sin Lord, I ask for the same power that you used to create the universe with. 
the same power that you sent your son here, the same power that he defeated death and rose from the dead to comfort those who are grieving with that same power this morning, that they be encouraged. Lord, that we as a body would do a good job of loving on each other in this way and being encouragement for each other. We don't have to walk this alone. Even if other people don't fully understand, but that we would be wise and discerning in how we love each other and how we want to offer help in practical, gentle, loving ways. Lord, we give you the glory and the praise for this morning and that this time of year we stay centered and anchored in on you being the reason for it, you being our hope and our salvation. Amen.